Yo, everybody, this is Jeff Fab from Black Label Society, and you're listening to Diary of the Madman. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Diary of the Madman, the ultimate Ozzy Osbourne podcast where we geek the fuck out about all things Ozzy and all things Ozzy related. I am Josh Crum. He is Mr. Dan Drago. How's it going, Dan? It is great, man. It is great to be back doing this, dude. How are you doing? I'm doing good, dude. I'm excited also. It's been too long. You were just discussing with me that it's been a month and a day since we recorded our last episode. <laughs> it's way That's too fucking, fucking long. Mind-blowing to me, dude. Mind-blowing. I mean, we talk regularly, so it's not like, from that perspective, it's not like, fuck, I haven't talked to Josh in a long time. But holy shit, I can't believe it's been over a month since we did our last episode. Yeah, I know. It's fucking crazy. And listeners, we do apologize. We really try to get these out at least on a bi-weekly basis. Sometimes, as we've mentioned before, you know, we have busy schedules and it's hard just to get together. This trip really takes about three hours for us to record and then we spend probably three hours each editing and we both edit on the shows and it takes a lot of our time so we try to get it in what we can the one thing we don't want to do is rush a shitty episode so we would rather wait till we have time to do them the right way and i think so far we've accomplished that what do you think yeah 100 percent. and that doesn't include the research we have to do to make sure we got all our facts straight and we're talking intelligently let's be honest me and you don't research shit we already (laughs) know this we're i'm I'm trying to pull the curtain back a little bit and making them think that we're, we're doing research not that no, we're winging this off of our fucking shit. ass if i write down a note it's usually like cool riff on the intro or just you, fucking great melody yeah. it's the shittiest notes ever but you got to see josh's notes guys they're <laughs> the best it's this you know we'll talk about our topic today but it'll be like good song great song yeah ozzy sounds good those are josh's notes good melody <laughs> exactly killer, killer solo. guitar solo yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all the notes I do, if I do notes at all. So that's beside the point. But anyway, man, so you've finished up your football season, and everyone knows that you're the big football coach around here. So uh, hopefully that opens up for us to do a few more also. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to be off for weekends now for quite a while. And uh, now it's just high school time for coaching, so that's going to open up a lot of time for me uh, from football. So I'm excited to get more episodes recorded. And quite frankly, on a side note, I'm excited to start recording my own music again, which has been really taking a backseat over the last year. Yeah, I've not even had my band together since the summer before last. They've all messaged. I need to get the guys up. I just miss playing some music. Just jam out with my buddies. Time to get the uh, band back together, man. On a side note, I did meet a new singer, and we just wrote our first song together, and it is fucking great. So I'm super excited about what the future has to offer there. Yeah, me too. You let me hear that guy. You sent me a demo. He's fucking killer. Thanks, man. Kind of jelly. I mean, nothing is my guy. Just, you know, he sounds great. Of course. If he didn't live in Arizona, I might call him, you know, but uh, (laughs) Well, we'll be writing together. (laughs) I know you just had a big concert last night, and you know if you're sounding a little tired, it's because you were probably screaming, but you got to see the main man, Zach Wilde, and Black Label Society last night. Tell us a little bit about the show. Yeah, man. Thanks for asking. I've seen Zach. I've seen Black Label. I mean, I'm not trying to be braggy, but a million fucking times. But they played in Lexington, Kentucky last night, and that's about a two-hour drive from me. But the room they've played, it's not very big. It holds, the capacity is around 1,200, but the room where the band actually is is probably seven or 800. And I just couldn't pass up going to see Black Label in such a small environment, dude. It was fucking killer, man. And they opened up with a couple 1919 Eternal songs. They played Bleed From Me, then went straight into Demise of Sanity, oh, which man. totally got me pumped early. Yeah. Uh, so it was fucking killer. And of course, in venues like that, you can sneak right up towards the front, man. I mean, we were right there. 
there. Killer spot to stand and watch Zach and the guys perform. And they were fucking awesome, man. I had a great time. Ran into the guys before the show. Ran into Jeff Fab and JD and, and Dario. And they're always friendly and, you know, said hello and stuff. And appreciate those guys. And yeah, man, just had a fucking blast. It was a good time. Yeah, the set list looks unreal. A couple of things about it. How did the new song sound? It looks like you played You Made Me Want to Live, which is great. Yeah, man. You Made Me Want to Live is the one that if you don't know that song and you're there, you're probably going, this is kind of fucking weird. It's different because it has that slow intro, right? With that kind of a hippie vibe oh, kind of melody, though. new song sounding thing, right? So it's kind yeah. of like, this was a little different. But, uh, oh, yeah, it fucking went down great live. And, of course, they did Set Me Free and they did uh, Destroy and Conquer from the new yeah. records. They, I knew they those were coming. Yeah, which is yeah. great. Hey, you know what? I'm excited about the set list and, you know, and I hope it's not taken wrong, but I'm glad he's not doing any covers. It's just fucking all BLS, which yeah. is what it should be, man. Man, they've been together for almost, I mean, not that particular group of guys but black label's been around for almost 25 years now so like you know it's time the one cover i could handle zach doing and i'm not overly crazy about it but i could see if he kept doing the no more tears cover to close out or something like i do kind of get that a little right because he does it black label style and all that but all in all i'm with you man they just have enough of their own catalog i mean hell zach's probably got more solo records out now than ozzy does oh yeah I bet. he pumps them out all the fucking time right no question uh, i was kind of Shocked the end of days wasn't played. I thought he'd play that one. Yeah, uh, I am shocked that didn't get played too. And yeah. nothing from Shot to Hell either, dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know that bums you out. Everyone knows it's your favorite record. <laughs> <It is. laughs> he didn't want to play any ballads, man. I mean, he of course he did Spoken the Wheel and uh, in this river, of course, like he always does. And right. did the Blessed Hell Ride, kind of ballad-ish. Yes. Right? And by the way, 1919 but, uh, Eternal was my favorite record. Oh, close enough. I think maybe it was Shot to Hell too. Yes, Shot to Hell. Okay, too. I knew it was right there. But no, it was a fucking killer segment. I gotta say, man, one thing about Zach Wilde that we all know and love about him, that motherfucker don't turn down for anything. So like I've seen Zach in rooms that hold 5,000 people, and I saw him last night in a room that holds 800 people, and the volume level was the fucking same. Like, he blew my fucking eardrums out. <laughs> I've played music for 20 years. I've been to a million fucking concerts. I've not had ringing ears in fucking a decade. And I tell you what, man, my ears today are still just fucking humming from that concert last night, yeah. which I did stand right in front of the fucking speaker because I met the guy, you know? <laughs> right, right. It's like, well, it's right by the speaker, but it also gets me close to the stage. Fuck it. You know, so it's like you stand right there and it was fucking pumping, man. It was loud. It was a fucking great time, man. Really great show. And uh, can't wait yeah. to see him again. Isn't that one of the reasons we love Zach? He's playing the same to a thousand people compared to times he's played at 20,000 people. And that's what we love about Zach, man. He puts his heart and soul into every performance and every show. What a performer, dude. Yeah, absolutely. And on top of that, I, I hate to kind of name drop, but I was chatting with Zach's wife, Barbara Ann Wild. She's like the fucking greatest. She's been a great supporter of the show. And she was telling me before the show that Zach hurt his back actually like two nights earlier. And you would never know unless you knew if that makes any sense at all. Like if you didn't know his back was hurting, you wouldn't notice it. But since I knew and I kind of watched him, like he was definitely a little more stiff at moments. Like instead of like swinging his body, like the way he usually does, he was just more swinging his head and neck, <laughs> you know, just that kind right. of stiffness in the midsection there. And uh, it was kind of neat to watch for that. Me knowing that he had, had really hurt his back. But again, like you said, he's that kind of performer. He went out there. You never would have fucking known the difference. That's just Zach Wild, man. We've all seen the photos right of him playing with his fingers bleeding and shit and just running all down the guitar and everything else. He just keeps fucking going. He don't give a fuck. He's, uh, he's excellent, man. And, and, you know, watching Zach play 
you know, in a room that size up close and just watching his fingers when he solos. I mean, he's a fucking artist, man. It's the shred thing can get old to some people sometimes. It's like, man, we know you can play fast. You know, let's move on to the melody a little bit. And and even you and I've bitched about that some. But still, yet when you watch a guy play like that and you really just sit there and look at his fingers, it's fucking unreal, man. Like that guy is a fucking beast. And there's only one Zach Wild, that's for sure. No question about it. I'm so happy that you got to go see him. Yeah. And his set list is great. I mean, the guy is just, he's a fucking amazing performer. And I could already hear in my head him answering interview questions about how he would hurt his back, right? Couldn't you hear that? Him and his oh, yeah. crazy ass I answers. was doing the anal bleaching yeah, and I yeah. bit over too far. <laughs> exactly. and it just fucking fell over. You can just hear yeah, it right now, I could right? Just hear I it, mean, right? That, that's the first thing that I thought sure. of. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's you awesome. know one more thing that Zach does live also that I really appreciate. It's not a huge deal, but I dig it. I dig that he brings the fucking keyboard out there, man, and plays a few of the piano tunes and lets Dario do the fucking leads on those songs. Nice little moment in the middle of all the shows to kind of spread his wings and show what he can do, but also it kind of gives Dario his moments also. But it's totally fun to watch the new songs and watch him and Dario go back and forth on their solos and shit, man. Dario's a fucking beast too. Yeah, that cat's fucking player. awesome, man. They blend so he's well, awesome. but they're kind of different styles, which is kind of cool. For sure. Even tone wise, I was noticing last night like dario's tone on stage zach definitely has the more umph in his right. tone than dario does but. does anybody have more umph than zach on guitar <laughs> let's just be and of honest. course jd was rocking his randy rose t-shirt that he always rocks so you got to fucking appreciate and love that so that moves us on to big news that we uh in my opinion kind of broke this week but we have a month man we have a month it's starting to get, yeah right big news <laughs> i mean i know josh and ryan and i have been every day going crazy i mean it's been six weeks since ozzy said he's gonna give us information on the album and nothing 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 and unfortunately we still really haven't nothing but our listener max crumb reached out and told us that he had heard an interview with sharon and she spilt the beans that ozzy's new album is coming out in september Bada bing, bada boom. Yeah, super good news, man. Yeah, man. And, you know, when I messaged you and Ryan, I was like, hey, dude, like, and I went and listened to it first for myself. And sure as shit, right there, plain as day. And their interview was like two or three fucking weeks old. Sharon says Ozzy's doing great. And he's got a new album coming out in September. And I thought, wow, that's been out for three weeks and no one's reported that yet. But luckily... Mr. Max was listening to that. It was a British TV show that had went on podcast and he was luckily for us listening to it. And he sent that news to us to be the ones who broke the news on it nationwide. And uh, the first thing Dan said to me was, I think it's so cool that we've built a little bit of a community and now they do that. Like we have listeners sending us news when we broke the news that Zach Wilde was playing rhythm on the entire new album. Like we broke that. Like that was us chatting with Ozzy in an Aussie chat and they, and we got an answer. But to know now that we have listeners who are reaching out to us first and saying, Hey, you got to check this out, put this out there. We can't thank you guys enough. And especially you, Max Crumb for doing that. Like that was fucking killer. Unfortunately, we didn't get a lot of credit for it nationwide. No, <laughs> I think the only news site. Yeah, the only news site that credited us at all was Blabbermouth, and it was even just a small little tidbit in the bottom that said thanks or something. But yeah, at least they did fucking mention us, and it did have a clickable link at least. Totally exciting news, man. You know, a few people were like, oh, so far away. And my initial thought was, oh, goddamn, September, because I was thinking kind of July or August. But when you think about it, September's not that far. By the time this episode drops, or probably in June or right at June. So, I mean, that's not that far. You're still looking at a single this month, if not at least early next month. And it could be September the 2nd. Who fucking knows when the record comes out, like the actual date. So, we're actually not that far off at all. Uh, To me, it was kind of more good news and relieving to know that, A, here it is, September. You can relax. You know, this is it. And two, to know that, yeah, 
with the September release, we are certainly getting a single sooner rather than later. You know, we've been saying this since fucking November, but so, I truly believe we are getting it soon. I agree. And I think that's the first thing, because I know Ryan and, and you were a little upset at first. I remember picking up the phone and telling Josh, I said, listen, for me, I'm just excited because now we have a path forward. Like it's been nothing, nothing, nothing. I could easily yeah. wait till September to get the album. Now we know the album's done. It's in the can. Artwork is being processed. We're moving down the path now. So yeah. I, that was what the big news was for me. And that's all really I wanted to hear because it was ghost town for months. But now yeah. that we know we have a date and we have a way to go, I think that's really exciting. Well, like you said, it's the pathway. The pathway is there now. We know September is the fucking best end of the race. Now we've got this nice path leading up to it with hopefully three or four singles that keep our appetites wet until September rolls around. I'm like you, man. It was relieving to finally get that little bit of news just to give us something to look forward to rather than wandering through the darkness like we have been for so long. Keep your eyes and ears peeled to our social media site because any news that we find, we're going to get it out there as soon as possible. And trust me, that's really what Josh and I are going to be doing over the next couple of months is just looking for news and scouring. And number two, if you guys hear anything, please send it our way ASAP so we can get it out there for all the listeners. Let's take our little army and start trying to get as much Aussie news as possible because let's be honest, we're the Aussie diehards here. We're the ones that are super excited for this record and let's try to make sure we're sharing all of this information amongst our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. That's something I've kind of been harping on with you lately behind closed doors anyway. If you're listening to this, go fucking add us on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook because we try so hard to keep those websites active with all the latest news. We do so much on those sites. Like if you enjoy the show, you will enjoy our social media accounts. Please go add us because the numbers on our social media accounts don't reflect the kind of download numbers we have on the show. We have way more listeners than we do followers on social media and we'd love to get those numbers up. But yeah, man, like you said, we appreciate anyone that tunes in and sends us news and we will do everything we can to keep it out there. And another thing about our social media accounts, we like to go live every now and then. We've not done a lot of them. We plan on doing a few more, but trust me and Dan, when we tell you as this new album starts dropping, there'll be more and more lives because we're going to be excited. We're going to want to get on a chat with you guys about it. Exactly. I was just going to say that, or we might do some quick random episodes and just drop them real quick, like a 20 minute review of the single. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 20 minutes. We'll talk about that single for three fucking hours. Are you kidding? <laughs> I was gonna, yeah. Shit. <laughs> yeah. That's true. The other thing we really wanted to bring up this week was, you know, there's been some photos floating around of Vazi recently. And I know for Ryan and I and, and Josh, God, they're painful to see. He is just looking very uncomfortable and I don't want to say unhealthy, but fragile maybe is the best word I can see. I don't know, man. It, it kind of pains me to talk about it a little bit because he's looking really, really old. I, it, it almost happened like instantly. I know he needs another surgery and he said he can't walk properly. But if you see some of these modern photos out there that have just been released in the last month, God, they kind of take my breath away. They're hard to look at, man. And my first thought when I saw the last two or three was that I lied on a previous episode. And I think you lied also. Yeah. Agreed. And we didn't mean to lie, but we both agreed on our ask us anything episode that we thought Ozzy will have another album in him. And the more I look at him, the more I just don't think he does. I hate to say that. He looks, like you said, so fragile. That is the best word. There's always someone by his side holding his arm as he walks. He looks so sad to me right now. And, and let's just hope that, you know, photos can be, let's be honest. It's like when you have your Facebook profile picture, then you have one someone tagged you in, right? And then when somebody tagged you in, you always look like a fucking idiot. Your eyes are <laughs> fucking all fucked up. and you're, You know what I mean? Right. So let's just hope it's that kind of case to where they just look worse than what he really feels. And I mean, obviously he's not feeling the best. We do realize that, but 
let's hope it's not as bad as it looks. But, you know, the one picture in particular I want to discuss with you, Dan, it said he was coming out of a recording studio, but he had the appearance that maybe he had been filming a music video. He had black nails on that were like extended nails. So they wasn't like his actual nails. They were kind of like pointy as if like werewolf kind of deal. Right, but not. right. And uh, his eyeliner was just through the Caked roof. It didn't, it didn't look good, to be honest. Yeah. But also, let's be, you know, let's be fair. If he's been in there filming a music video for six or eight hours, maybe that's why he looks so fucking tired coming out of there also. And maybe oh, that's, that's why the eyeliner point. looked kind of roughed up too. Maybe it's been a long fucking day of recording this shit and he was ready to get the fuck out of there. Right. So I would say it was an album shoot, but he didn't have wings on. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> 100% not an album shoot. Yeah. And you know, I can remember going back. The first person I heard say it was Eddie Van Halen. And they asked him, they said, what's the least favorite thing you do? Like you live this great life and you play music and you travel the world. What do you hate? And I remember for some reason it stuck with me. Eddie said, I hate doing music videos. Just fucking hate them. And we know Ozzy isn't a big fan of them either. So, you know, Ozzy isn't a big fan of music videos. So there could be a chance that that was just a grueling day. Also, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. Maybe I am. I don't know, but maybe that was just a long day, you know, but, um, it did appear like he was shooting some kind of video or pictures of some type. Didn't you agree? Yeah. Well, matter of fact, my first thought to you was maybe this was their young blood video. And then you and Ryan were like, no, no, he didn't have his nails like that. I was like, all right. So then yeah. I think this is a real good observation, dude, because if he was in there for eight, fuck six hours would be short. If he was in there for 12 to 14 hours, I'd be fucking exhausted. Exactly. So, yeah, I think I'm hoping maybe you're onto something here. Cause you know, obviously we wish the best for Ozzy and we hope, you know, I will say this, looking at those photos, there is no way in hell I could ever foresee, ever see him on a stage again. No. Like I said, someone's always assisting him to walk. There's yeah. always someone by his side. And you know, the other photo that leads us up to it, it wasn't the greatest photo either. He was going to the site where Amy had the fire in the recording studio. For those yeah. of you that don't know, a recording studio in Hollywood caught fire. And unfortunately, one person did pass away. But two made it out alive and were literally saved by firemen on a ladder, which is like shit you see in a movie, right? But one of those two was Amy Osborne and her record engineer. So for one, thankful that she's okay and that the engineer's okay and definitely condolences to the family of the one that we lost in that. But the other photo that came out of Ozzy was him going to that site and looking at that. So to be fair to Ozzy, again, not the greatest of fucking situations when you go into a site where literally someone died and your daughter almost lost her life recording a fucking album in there, you know? Agreed. Yeah, that's a terrible story. And thank God Amy made it out okay. That was scary, man. Yeah, definitely. And real quick for the listeners who may not be familiar with it, Amy does have a record deal and she's putting out her own material. It's under Arrow. It's A-R-O. And uh, it doesn't sound like Ozzy. She's definitely trying to forge her own path. That's, I guess, why she doesn't use the Osborne name and goes by Arrow, which is her initials. But uh, give that listen awesome, man. You might really dig it. Who knows? She's very talented, actually. Super talented voice. Very gorgeous, too. Yeah, absolutely. But man. I will say this. I was shocked to see she was back in the studio because she just released a new song. So yeah. I wonder if she's just recording songs at a time instead of, you know, like the old guys do, you know, record a whole album worth of shit. Yeah, I know. Because the song's actually released and out. It's not like it's just the single and we're still, you know. So my initial thought was, well, she's finishing up an album. But like we said, the single was already released. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah maybe they're mixing the rest of the record, which happens sometimes. The lead single curious. gets finished. And congratulations while we're on the topic of the kids also. We'll go ahead and say congratulations to Kelly Osborne. She is pregnant with yep. Sid Wilson from Slipknot. Yep. And uh, Jack's got his girlfriend pregnant so uh some more little osborne babies coming for ozzy and sharon to love on the holidays so that's good news all around for them yep more additions to the grandchildren which is fantastic yeah before we get into our topic today i just want to say uh we're sorry to hear that our friends over at the metal gods podcast is calling it a day 
end their tenure of doing podcasts. And we want to f- wish them the best. And we want to thank George. He came on our show. I was on his show. And we're really, really sorry to see them put the podcast to rest. It's only going to be up for about another two or three weeks. So if you're not listening to those podcasts, try to check them out. They do a great job on Judas Priest. But we just want to say hats off to those two guys and wish them the best of luck. Yeah, totally, man. Hate to see those guys go. And they may be back in the future. Who knows? Hopefully it works back out. And uh they can get back at it because we need more priests in our lives every day. That's for sure. So that brings us to our topic. I'm so excited about this topic, dude, because this is the album I feel that has gotten zero attention by us since we've been starting this podcast. So much so multiple people have reached out to us and said, why haven't you said anything about this album? You guys aren't talking about this album. Do you not like this album? And first of all, of course we love this album, but Josh and I wanted to do something special with it because we love it so much. And we just, for some reason, it hasn't been in a battle. We just haven't talked about much. It doesn't have a ton of B-sides. So get ready. We are doing a deep dive on the fifth solo Ozzy album, and that is No Rest for the Wicked. No Rest for the Wicked. It sits in front of me as I sit here recording tonight, autographed by Zach Wilde yeah, on my so- wall. Yeah, No Rest for the Wicked is a fucking monster, man. I've been totally excited to talk about this one for a long time because it is one, not only have we not discussed it a lot, it's not one you hear about amongst the fan base in general a lot. And really, we say Osmosis is the most underrated record. No Rest for the Wicked's right with it. Yeah, no question. And I kind of think this is the last classic Ozzy album, not No More Tears. I'm not saying good or great because, of course, you know we love them all what i'm saying is classic and i know it's his last 80s album but this is the last album where ozzy was kind of that satanic madman with all of the devils and you know he's trying to look like jesus on the cover and after this he was fed up with the persona so to me this is the end of an era for ozzy and it definitely still has its sound rooted with the 80s it's a brilliant fucking record. I can get with you on that and take it a step further. This was the last album really before outside influences came in on songwriting. Like this was really written with the band. I mean, it's different per track, but pretty much every track is Ozzy, Zach Wilde, Bob Daisley, John Sinclair, and Randy Castillo. Yeah. Give or take some on each track, but it's typically that it's the fucking group. That's one thing I love about it also. It's definitely a group feel and very, very, very riff oriented. That's the key. Because I do think the majority of No More Tears, except for No More Tears, was the Ozzy, Zach, and Randy affair. Obviously, Lemmy would come in with lyrics here and there. But I agree with you here. This is the last great riff record. There's no question. All of these songs have riffs. And if something that I've been screaming about for 30 fucking years now, if there's one thing that drives me crazy about Ozzy is he doesn't have the guitar riffs anymore. He has them here and there, but it's not classic guitar riffs. And I think that's what makes old Ozzy unbelievable is those guitar riffs. It don't matter if it's Randy, Jake, or this particular Zach record. All right, so Ozzy Osbourne, No Rest for the Wicked, was released September 28th, 1988. It was produced by Roy Thomas Baker and Keith Olsen. It is two times platinum, and it was recorded at Goodnight LA Studios and Enterprise Studios in Los Angeles. The members in the group are Ozzy Osbourne on vocals, Zach Wilde making his debut on guitar for Ozzy, Bob Daisley on bass, Randy Castillo on drums, and Mr. John Sinclair, who I'm a big fan of, on keyboards. So it's excellent fucking lineup, man. Yeah, I love this lineup, dude. It's fantastic. I mean, this is the last album that Bob Daisley writes for. And again, that might also be why it's a little bit of a change of sound in Ozzy going forward after this. But goddamn, this is great. And Randy Castillo is such an underrated drummer, man. And I know you really talk about this a lot, but his drumming on this record, even though the drum kit is drenched in reverb and very old sounding, I fucking love his performance on this record. It's like night and day from The Ultimate Sin. To me, his drumming on this is much more electric and exciting. He was coming off a broken foot for The Ultimate Sin, but goddamn, he's great on this record. 100%. 
100%. For me, this is like the Randy Castillo album. Like He's fucking absolutely a monster on this record. And then for No More Tears, I felt he kind of had to tone back a little bit. I, I just don't know if they just didn't want the drums to be so big on that record. But I think Randy, he makes pop-up performances on every track on this record pretty much, man. I fucking love him on here. Agree completely. This is the Randy Castillo show. If I had to pick one Randy Castillo record, it was it's clearly no rest for the wicked from his career that he should be remembered for. Every song you nailed it has got something in it where you're like, holy shit, that's a great drum part. Absolutely. And I think he was just so excited to be there. And one more thing about Mr. Randy Castillo, he doesn't get a lot of love. A lot of songwriting credits on this record. I mean, every, I, every song but two. I want to say it's okay. There you go. Every track but two. He's fucking all over as a, as a contributor. So that's fucking awesome too. And you fucking drummers out there, you motherfuckers don't pitch in as much as you should on the songwriting. So it's nice to see Mr. Randy Castillo's name on some of these right here. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, three, I guess, if we count the liar. I don't want to be corrected by our fans, but I wasn't counting the liar. Well, there so you real go. Real quick. Um, we talked about Keith Olsen and Roy Thomas Baker producing this record. And our man, Zach, he really has some great quotes talking about Roy Thomas Baker, how he did nothing. And I'm going to read this real quick and I'll go through it pretty fast. But I have this quote from him where he talks about, well, Roy had nothing to do with the record. Roy actually did nothing on the fucking album, did nothing. I remember thinking to myself, this guy helped produce Bohemian Rhapsody and the Cars record. He didn't fucking do, the motherfucker showed up and met the band. He treated me like an idiot. So it's funny that everybody credits Roy Thomas Baker, but he didn't really do anything for this record. They had to salvage the record and give it to Keith Olsen. And Zach later goes on and says, Keith Olsen was the fucking guy on that fucking record. He was the shit that made that record sound ass kicking. As soon as he got in there, he doubled the guitars and everything sounded great because he knew what the fuck he was doing. Roy Thomas never touched a button when we were in there. Never even threw an idea on the table. I just want to give hats off to Keith Olsen who really saved this record because Roy Thomas Baker, I think, was going through some personal shit at the time. So I'm not here to slam him, but he was just not involved at all in the recording process. Here's a really cool, interesting fact. The drums had so much what's called a gate effect on them that Randy Castillo had to come in and just re-record the cymbals only with Keith Olsen. Imagine how difficult that had to be. I and mean, that's fucked up, ain't it? That's just absolutely fucked up. Oh, no question. I mean, do you know how hard that would be? Yeah. Uh, not, I mean, the whole kit, just the symbol portion. Fucking weird, man. This is fucking weird. Keith Olsen definitely saved the album, and he's, in my mind, it takes me reading Roy Thomas Baker and going, oh, yeah, he was involved in that. Because in my mind, if you say, who produced No Rest for the Wicked, I say Keith Olsen without right. you know a hesitation. So definitely cool quotes from Zach Wilde on there. Yeah, no question about it. And I do agree with Zach. I actually think the guitar sounds ungodly on this record. Whatever Keith Olsen did, he nailed it because this is maybe my favorite Zach guitar tone. Absolutely. And I agree with you 100%. And I'll go a step further. Even Mr. Jake E. Lee, uh, I read an interview a few years back where someone asked him if he was ever jealous of Zach Wilde. And he said, no, I'm not jealous of him. He said, the only thing I am jealous of is his guitar tone. His damn tone's fucking awesome. <laughs> so even Jake E. Lee heard the guitars on Notice of the Wicked and went, fuck, those guitars sound good, man. Agreed. Absolutely. I think it's great that Bob played on the record. I know Geezer is actually in the photos, but he obviously did not play on the record. You know, he kind of got Rudy Sarzo'd. <laughs> But, you know, we all know that Bob Daisley was a big contributor to this record, contributed a lot with Zach musically, and of course, wrote a lot of the lyrics. It's weird, though, because, you know, I agree. And, you know, for an Aussie solo record, I just don't have Bob Daisley on an ass geezer. You know, Bob and Aussie solo just fucking works, right? So the interesting thing is, and I'm going to go to a quote here in a little bit, but 
they started writing the, with the album with Phil Susan and him and Zach, who you see those pictures on there. They're in the Bible of Oz pictures with Ozzy, Zach, Randy, and Phil. But they scrapped everything. And there's an article I'll read here in a little bit where Ozzy said they kept a few things, which I thought was kind of interesting. But they kind of scrapped it all and started fresh and brought Bob back in and they went away with writing. So I'm going to just read this another real quick quote I have here from Zach talking about writing the record. And he says, they were all just jams. And this go- really goes back to what you were saying, Josh. They were all just jams and rehearsal. We would just jam them all out and Ozzy would start singing his balls off. And then boom, we'd have a song. And Ozzy and Bob Daisy would start jamming on the lyrics. Randy would go like crazy babies. He would go, man, I like that riff you're doing. That's fucking cool. Change it around a little bit. Randy was always fucking throwing his two cents in there. It was always pretty quick, man. No rest. I just remember when it started and it was like, I was telling my friends, oh man, I'm going to do an Aussie record. I was going to do everything I could to make a fucking heavy metal record. The funny thing is Zach is only about 19 and 20 years old here. I mean, it's amazing yeah. when you think about it. I mean, at this it point, is. Ozzy and Bob are already considered old relics, and he's a baby. And yeah, the fact that he was able to jam with those guys and keep up with them really, really speaks volumes of how amazing that man is. And even enjoy the hang, right? I mean, like, Zach enjoys being around those dudes. And when you're 20 and they're 40, it says a lot about the maturity level of Ozzy. <laughs> they can hang with a 20-year-old. But, you know, Jake said that always bothered him, right? They were 10 years older than Jake, and that was always kind of an issue that he felt like the, the young guy and they were a bunch of old men they didn't want to get out. But, you know, Zach seemed to actually embrace that and got along with the guys great from the start, even though there's an age difference. But, you know, it's funny, you know, with Randy Rhodes passing so young, you know, we're always like, oh, man, he was so young when he was with Ozzy and he was a baby. But Zach Wilde was actually even fucking younger than Randy was. So yeah. it's fucking insane when you really consider how how young he was and how inexperienced he really was. I mean, he was a monster player on the scene in Jersey. You know, we all know that he had a band called Zyrus and yep. he would always be at the music stores jamming and this and that. And people knew who he was in Jersey, but still yet to go straight to the fucking stardom of an Ozzy Osbourne gig and play in Moscow in front of 100,000 people or whatever. It's fucking crazy. But uh, killer fucking lineup, man. And when I think Ozzy's solo, like I said, Bob Daisley is there. So I'm glad Bob was back for this one. The interesting thing about Norris for the Wicked is people try to claim that this album was kind of like Ozzy in a decline because Ultimate Sin was huge. And then, of course, No More Tears is huge. But the ironic thing is it really wasn't. It debuted at number 13 or peaked at number 13 on the Billboard 200. It is a double platinum record. I think people forget that. You talk about some of these other metal artists, and I don't want to name names, smaller statue, but they don't even go gold when they have a drop-off. Ozzy's drop-off is double fucking platinum, people. I mean, that's how popular this record was. Let me tell you, Miracle Man was everywhere. So I think they kind of are changing history a little bit about Ozzy's drop-off. His tours were selling out. He took Anthrax out. Later on, he took White Lion. So, you know, he had two tours of America with this tour. It was fucking huge. Right. Yeah, I think think the uh, stories of the decline are greatly exaggerated for sure. But, you know, I'm also a believer that an album sales often are dictated by the previous album also. So if you want to say sales were down for No Rest for the Wicked, which they clearly weren't, it went double platinum, like you said, and, and did do a 13 billboard, which is in those days, a 13 back in 1988 would be a number one now by a smash, right? Like, so, but some of that does go back to the ultimate scene also, though. You know, sometimes you can lose people along the way. And if they didn't like your last one, they're going to make you prove it on the new one before they purchase it, right? So does that mean that it, No Rest gets credit for the No More Tears sales? In a way, yeah. If people enjoyed your last record, they're going to be more apt to buy your yeah. new one. Whereas if your last one didn't quite scratch your balls the way you wanted it to, you may pass until you hear a few singles and make sure you like them before you invest your money to the new one that no one comes out. 
out. Yeah, I agree. I'm just busting your balls. The uh, truth of the matter is, I think I think a perfect example of that is Nirvana. I mean, I obviously Nevermind is much bigger than In Utero, but I think In Utero debuted at number one, where I don't even know if Nevermind hit number one. Exactly. Yeah. Great example. So I have a couple of things here. I'm gonna bring. I was going through my magazines and I found an old Metal Edge from December of 1988. And I got a couple of quick quotes here. Let me tell you, people. I found a really cool fucking nugget that I don't think I've ever read on the internet, and it has never been talked about. And this is what we bring you on Diary of the Mad Men, of course. Hell, so, I'm excited to hear it. Let's go. <laughs> so the first question they talk is, you know, they say, "Hey, the track you played for me, Bloodbath and Paradise, is killer. What is the rest of?" the album like the album itself is across the board classic rock out and out headbangers few ballads there's 11 songs altogether. So when I read that, knowing this album, my first thought went, what the fuck? There's only 10 songs that have ever been released on No Rest for the Wicked. And that is, of course, Miracle Man, Devil's Daughter, Crazy Babies, Breaking All the Rules, Bloodbath in Paradise, Fire in the Sky, Tattooed Dancer, Demon Alcohol. And we got two kind of bonus tracks, right? Hero, which was a silent track at the end of the cassette and CD, and The Liar, which was the Japanese only track. That's it. That's ever that's only been released off this album and that's 10 songs so later on in the article they said hey ozzy have you picked a single or a video yet and he says i don't know it could be a matter of time the song it's about the youth the children of the world kind of as commercial as i ever want to get there's more stuff on this album that i can do live than on the ultimate sin well let me tell you there is no song called a matter of time that's ever been released so here we have it we have an unreleased Aussie track from the No Rest for the Wicked sessions called A Matter of Time. How about that, Josh? That is extremely interesting. And I don't know that I've ever read that. There's very few things that I've never read. I don't think I've ever read or heard that. I think you could Google Ozzy A Matter of Time and you will get nothing no, like about a no, song. Yeah. No. If only we could ask somebody like Zach Wild about that sometime. Hmm. Sometime, hmm, right? That would be Let's interesting. Work on that. That'd be yep. an interesting question. I wonder if Zach Wild even knows it. I bet he does because it's the first Ozzy fucking record he did. You know, right? Like I always joke with my buddies. Like I mean, I haven't been in my big band that I was in for about fifteen years. We've been broken up for about a decade. But if I picked up the guitar to try to play those songs, I remember the songs we wrote originally. Like I could play those right away. Then the songs I wrote towards the end. Isn't that weird? I totally get that one hundred percent. Yeah, because it's that youth thing, man. Where you just were doing it all the fucking time, man. And now you know, as you got older, you learned it, you put it away, you got it out when you need. To, but when you were 22, you were just fucking riffing on that shit all day long. Right. Agreed. Absolutely. So, yeah, he may very well recall that, man. Good catch on that. That was amazing. Thanks, man. So the last thing I want to tell you guys before we get started on our track by track breakdown is the original album title for No Rest for the Wicked was Son of a Nun. Thank God they changed the name. Man, that sucks. Right? Oh, terrible. That sucks. Son of a nun. Ozzy Osbourne's yeah. new record. Ugh. You know, well, the funny thing is, and I think that's what the album cover is really based off of, because, you know, they hired John Carver to do the, the album cover. And really, it's him trying to portray Ozzy as Jesus Christ, which makes sense for an album title called Son of a Nun, right? Yeah. Like, you know, Mother Mary. And I guess No Rest for the Wicked works with the album cover. But if you really think about it and look at it, it's definitely Ozzy trying to be Jesus, which goes with that Son of a Nun album title. It totally works for No Rest for the Wicked also, though. 
I love this album cover. Like oh, yeah. the album cover for No Rest for the Wicked is exactly what I'd like to see on the new record. Something like that. Something in that vein. Fucking would love that. No wings. It'd be fucking excellent. <laughs> exactly. Dude, you know, <laughs> I, I'm sure you were like this too, but I would study the vinyl when I got it as a kid and like be looking at all this shit, you know, with the devil's head on the on the shelf above them and that cool ass skull with fucking horns. It is yeah. a badass cover, dude. And Amazing. the one that's like right to Ozzy's right around his elbow there, it looks like a fucking possum. Yeah, what the fuck is that thing, dude? <laughs> I don't know what that it looks thing like is, a, man. But... It looks like a devil with a big nose, to be honest. It's fucked up. It's weird looking. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, so, it's such a creepy album cover, dude. And those girls, which were in the video for Crazy Babies, which I thought was really, really cool that they, I'm not a huge, I'm going to sound like Ozzy. I'm not a huge fan of the song, but I would have to say I thought the video kicked ass because it really encompassed the album cover. And of course we should mention they also released Wicked Videos right after the album. One more thing I want to throw out there for the listeners real quick, because I did find it interesting. I think they'll kind of enjoy this is Zach Wilde was actually hired in May of 1987. And they went into production for this album in February of 1988. And then it's released in September. And Zach initially, once he joined the Aussie band, they only played one show in 1987. And it was a prison in London that is called Wormwood Scrub Prison. How fucking cool is that, man? The prison gig with Zach. And the word is, is that they had a good time and they would go back every Friday for the rest of the month and do prison shows. This like to be rehearsing for the upcoming album and tour. So, I mean, it's just fucking cool, man, that they would go there and hang out. And there was actually a prison band called the Scrubs that had three wardens and three prisoners that would open for them on those Friday nights. And then they had a makeshift bar, apparently, at the prison where they would go drink this like makeshift prison beer and party and fucking jam all night. So, like, if that's fucking prison in London, sign me the fuck up. That sounds fucking awesome. I could totally handle uh, an impromptu concert from the Ozzy Osbourne band once a fucking week while I'm in prison and fucking watering holes to go get drunk at. I mean, how fucking weird is that, man? I mean, how cool is that shit? Dude, that's a great fucking fact. And they also covered Elvis's Jailhouse Rock during those shows. Yes. Which is so fucking cool. Yes. Who wouldn't love to hear that? Oh my God. That would be insane yeah. for sure. And one more cool thing I wanted to mention also, you know, when Zach got the gig for Ozzy, Ozzy really scoured the world to try to find the right guy. And, you know, of course, Mark Weiss, the photographer, hooked Ozzy up with Zach Wilde and pushed Zach to Ozzy. But one of the people that Ozzy auditioned that didn't get the gig at that time was Joe Holmes, who, of course, later got the gig after Zach left in 1995. So how fucking neat is that, man? It's just weird how it's a small world sometimes you know and what goes around comes around and eventually that job did come back to joe holmes which is awesome and he actually released an album with lizzie borden right about the time no rest was released which was really cool very cool yeah i would love to find some footage of that prison man we need to like i wish we had like vhs tapes in the prisons back then where they could just fucking record those jams right yeah i'm shocked they didn't record that because that would have been great to add to the wicked videos because it's the birth of zach with ozzy man it would have been so fucking cool I mean, how fucking cool is that, right? And yeah. you know what? It had to have a cool look and stuff, you know? Yeah, I'm sure the prisoners fucking appreciated it, oh. actually. It, it, can you imagine? It's amazing. Great story. You know it, man. You absolutely know it. So a lot of details on Norris for the Wicked. I mean, a lot of people, actually, I'll be honest, I didn't, at first I was kind of like, shit, what do we know about Norris for the Wicked that everybody else doesn't know? But there's a lot, <laughs> actually, at the end of the day that, yeah. that you and I were able to find. Out. Uh, you even surprised me with, I mean, that song. Like, yeah. I had never heard that. You even gave me something I haven't heard. And I'm sure there's listeners that's never heard of the prison shows and these things. So uh, hopefully we're bringing you all something you may have not heard before and can educate you just a little bit. 
And that's why we're here. All right, let's do our deep dive, man. We're going to talk about these songs and we're going to break it down. And then at the end, we're going to rank all of these 10 songs in our favorite order. And I think you guys are going to be shocked by my list. I got on my notes here, a little bit of notes that I have. It says one word consistent this whole record's just so fucking consistent man so i really you could go anywhere and i don't know that i'd be shocked because this album doesn't have crazy lows and it doesn't have like crazy crazy highs either it's just really fucking good consistent aussie record so i'm curious to see your list man we'll uh we'll get to that later the interesting thing about this record is i think this is aussie's god damn it i'm gonna think of ryan here but i actually think this is aussie's most rocking record and i mean that like, there is not a ballad on this record except the B-side of The Liar. Hero is clearly not a ballad. It might start with that, like, keyboard intro, but once the drums and guitars kick in, that song fucking rocks. Fire in the Sky is not a ballad. It's an epic. Definitely in the vein of, like, Killer of Giants and, and Diary of a Madman. 100%. So there really isn't a ballad on this record. It's mm-hmm. just fucking one rock song after another. This is, I think, Ozzy's most up-tempo rocking record even the more ultimate so scene is right there also though yeah ultimate sin is right there as well you're right yeah yeah, yeah that air of these two back to back like the ballads were kind of out for a minute and he wanted to rock right remember when we did our best ballads episode we went from so tired to the no more tears record because there was yeah. nothing on these two records great call all right so that brings us to the record finally so up first of course kicking it off we have miracle man Written by Ozzy Osbourne, Zach Wilde, and Bob Daisley. Instant fucking classic, right? Like This is a fucking great song. And I feel like Zach's guitar riff is just so fucking cool and so fucking in your face. You know, The Ultimate Sin was so 80s. And No Rest of the Wicked has an 80s sound, like you mentioned earlier with the drums and so on. But it wasn't glam heavy. The Ultimate Sin was a little more glam heavy. I feel like Miracle Man instantly set a tone of, I'm busting that album's ass because I ain't doing that shit no more. I'm putting out a heavy metal record. And from the opening riff of Miracle Man, you feel that. No fucking question about it. Monstrous guitar solo from Zach, of course. So we instantly learn who this motherfucker is and that he's to be respected, like, without question, right? He's already come out slamming riff, slamming solo. And, of course, written about Ozzy's buddy, Jimmy Swagger, who took a lot of jabs at Ozzy in the press and then got caught paying for prostitutes. And he was a you know, televangelist on television who would go on TV and preach. And in the 80s, that was a huge deal. You had all these televangelists who were so famous. And Jimmy Swagger was the most famous of all of them. And he was always taking jabs at Ozzy. And he gets caught paying for a prostitute. And Ozzy fucking had a field day with that motherfucker over this. And you can't blame him. Uh, but I also think, in general, this is a song about his haters. He's tired of putting up the bullshit. He's tired of the haters. And you got busted. This is who gets busted next. I fucking love this song, man. It was a perfect track for the lead single also. Agreed. So I heard the song, obviously, before the record came out. So this was the lead single. They were playing it on the local radio channel to promote the record. And right away, you could just tell from that riff. And Zach says he you know, was just raping Foxy Lady by Jimi Hendrix, which at the time, and I, I just read an article, Ozzy said he, that's all Zach was listening do at this time is Jimi Hendrix but it's actually a very similar riff to what's in Diary of a Madman too if you could play guitar and you play those songs there is one little riff in Diary that's very similar to Miracle Man but I agree this song just rocks from the beginning not overly crazy about the keyboard Miracle Man thing I almost wish Ozzy would have sang it instead but lyrically Ozzy and Bob are so on point Jimmy was really busting Ozzy's balls especially after the suicide case over suicide solution and gosh once Jimmy got busted hiring a prostitute it was on and had off to Bob and Ozzy, really, really knocking this one out of the park. Great guitar solo. The one thing I will say about this record in general, and I'm going to say it a lot, is where The Ultimate Sin has the best bridges of Ozzy's career. I don't think there's a single
single bridge on the eight or nine songs, except maybe Demon Alcohol, and it's not much of a bridge that Ozzy sings. A lot of these bridges are instrumental, and it's very rare because Ozzy is the king of the bridge, and there's just none to be found on this record. But there's other things that make up for it, but I'd have to say this is how an Ozzy record should start. A punch to the mouth and up-tempo, great vocal melody, and again, right out of the gate, we could tell Ozzy sounds great. And I'm not talking about osmosis great, where he's hitting notes that his balls had to be cut off to reach. I'm talking about the tone of his voice. This could be the best tone outside of Diary of a Madman that Ozzy has on tape. He just sounds unbelievable. Let me say that again. This is the best tone outside of Max Norman producing him, in my opinion. This is the best Ozzy sounds with outside of somebody besides Max Norman producing him. I can go with you on that. And again, it goes back to the consistency thing. He just sounds very consistent throughout the record. He just sounds really fucking good on this one, the whole album. And like you said, not hitting notes necessarily. He just has a great tone and great presence. I agree. All right, up next, we have Devil's Daughter, Holy War, written by Ozzy, Zach Wilde, John Sinclair, Randy Castillo, and Bob Daisley. This is such an underrated fucking Ozzy tune. It has a killer riff. This is a metal song straight through. That middle riff, man, where Zach is doing the fast picking, it is so goddamn killer. Again, no singing over it. There's a lot of middle section. The baby crying is eerie as fuck. Kind of a throwback to sabotage there a little bit. You're but. fucking killing me, man. <laughs> You're, I mean, are you reading my fucking notes or what, dude? What the I, fuck? Am, I swear to God. I don't, oh, know, what damn, all right. I don't know what oh, I'm, I'm going to say. I'm just going to say dildo when you get done. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. One thing also about this record, there's sometimes we'll go through an Aussie record and I'll be like, God, I'm not quite sure what that song is about. I think this record... On all the songs, Bob and Ozzy are very clear what these songs are about. Obviously, this one I I take personally as a straightforward horror story about a devil's daughter. Now, I might be wrong on this one, but when you read the lyrics talking about, I see through what is inside you, I'll make you break down and cry. You know what I'm about? I'll cast the demons out and I'll persist until the battle's won. Yeah, you know, I'll feel your creeping flesh if you're to be possessed, then I will desecrate what you've become. Really, really cool shit. I, I think this one's almost like classic, eerie, Ozzy horror. And I love that. The Black Tabith has a song called Devil and Daughter, which came out on Headless Cross. So interesting that they both had a song with a similar title. So is it my turn now? Yes, sir. Oh, okay. So my notes say, I'm just going to read you directly what I wrote. One of Ozzy's most underrated songs... The midsection of the crying baby is very reminiscent of the writ. So thanks, Dan, for just stealing my fucking thunder on all that, you know, <laughs> cocksucker. But it's I love the song at track two also. Got a great pace for track two. It's fucking heavy. It's up tempo. It's got a lot of fucking balls. My favorite thing, you know, I've always enjoyed the guitar solo in this song, and I've mentioned this on the show before. Oh, yeah. Good call. But when you watch that video of Zach playing it, fuck me running, man. That is fucking intense. Dude, one like, of his best solos of his career. Oh, Great call. No question. No question. If you are having trouble in your mind hearing the solo in your head, go fucking listen to the solo on Devil's Daughter. Zach is fucking out of his mind. And right at the end of it, when it changes the fucking rhythm to the other rhythm, to the to more the uh, the main riff, oh, freaking jacking off, man. It's fucking excellent. Zach Wilde in this era, I love Zach to this day. I went and seen him last night, as we said earlier. But he is untouchable as a young 20-year-old hotshot who's excited to have this fucking gig, man. That solo is fucking 
through the roof. Do you know what's great about it too? Let's talk a little love for Zach here. I mean, he's following the shoes of Randy and Jake, two of the greatest guitar players of all time. No question about it. And Tony. But the great thing about his solos here, they are extremely thought out and memorable. It's almost like he could have came in and said, I'm just going to shred all over this motherfucker. And he does shred. But to me, every single solo on this record, everyone is memorable, hummable. And like you can tell he is trying to put his stamp as a lead guitar player, as a songwriter. Every note is thought out for sure. Yeah. yeah and he loves Randy and Jake and Tony, like you said, and he's their biggest fan. Like the rest of us were, he, he, he's one of us getting that gig, right? He's made that very clear. Everyone knows that, but he also, he didn't, he never ripped them off either. Like he was always original, like all of his shit from the get go are original riffs, original leads. You know, so often when you're learning leads from another player, you'll start kind of using that lick a little bit here or there. You can hear some of Jakey Lee's man. You can hear, you thank God for the bomb and flying high again are very similar shit like that. You don't really find that with, with Zach Wilde. Like, it's very original, and this fucking solo right here, it may be his best. I mean, No More Tears is his best solo as far as most yeah. iconic, for sure. But, man, when you just watch him play Devil's Daughter, fuck. It's excellent. God, I it's love funny, it. the, the two that jump out to me, out, you know, No More Tears 1 is Devil's Daughter and Tomorrow. Those are the two that jump out at me. It's like, holy shit, those two guitar solos. For sure. I will say this. Everybody bitches about Zach and his squeals and his artificial harmonics, but... Make no mistake about it. That was Ozzy's influence on him telling him that's going to be your thing. Do yep. that. That's going to set you apart. And it did. For sure. All right. So for track three, that brings us to what would be the second single from this record, Crazy Babies, written by Ozzy Osbourne, Zach Wilde, Randy Castillo, and Bob Daisley. Crazy Babies is a song that I've always felt a bit overrated in the Ozzy canon, as you say. Cool little wick. Dun. And you really get the fucking Zach Wild squeal here, right? Like it's like where it really becomes a thing. But all in all, I felt like it was a song that maybe Ozzy was heavy-handed in the penmanship for, and that maybe that's why he kind of pushed it for a single. Totally don't know that. Just assume the lyrics are a little more hokey than what Bob usually does. So I always kind of feel like Ozzy kind of had a heavy hand in this one. But it does have a cool riff. One thing I wanted to comment on it also is the guitar solo has. Am I the only person in the world that hears Ghostbusters in the guitar solo? Dan, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. I mean, I know okay. the songs, but I don't. I do not remember specifically thinking Ghostbusters when I've heard it. Since I was little. That part sounds like Ghostbusters. That's Maybe I'm the only person. Listeners, let me know. If you hear Ghostbusters in that and agree, let me know because I've always fucking heard it. Killer fucking guitar solo. The weird thing about Crazy Babies is got my first lap dance to that son bitch. Remember <laughs> that? That's probably the greatest thing about it, in my opinion, because it's not one of my favorite Aussie tracks. Kudos to my friends Ritz and Todd, by the way, for paying for that. Yeah, it's just one that I, you know, I, I don't dislike it. It just I never saw what was so great about it. I definitely don't see it as being pushed for a single. About the best thing coming from the single of it, hey, you said it all as the B side, and that was what finally put you said it all on digital. Which was pretty cool because that was a CD release, right? And that was kind of a big deal for the Randy Rhodes fans back then. But all in all, a, a fine track, but just not one that I don't think stands up to Miracle Man and Devil's Daughter so far. So my question to you listeners, did Josh have a hard on because of the lap dance or because he was listening to Ozzy? That's the question. It was both. I got the, <laughs> I got, I got the hard on because of the lap dance. I shot the low because of Ozzy. There you go. Perfect. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to share 
a secret here. I don't know if I've ever said this out loud, except for the day this album came out. You guys have to understand from the time I'm a fucking youngster, young Dan, and it's still the same to this day when Ozzy releases a new record. It is just listen to it five times in a row with with the record and absorb it, read everything about you. Like you breathe it, right? It's a holiday, man, for yeah, sure. It's a holiday. I used to take the day off work back in the day when I didn't have to work from home. I will tell you this, when Crazy Babies played for the very first time in 1988, I remember saying, oh, that's the first Ozzy song I don't like. Now, that's changed over the years, but my initial impression was I didn't like the guitar riff. I just thought it was maybe a little too basic. It just did not. Yeah, it was a little stock. Exactly. The irony thing is the lyrics are not great, but in the Ozman Cometh book, Ozzy says he doesn't even remember writing the song. It fucking infuriates me out of all of the songs that they picked that Crazy Babies got put on Osman Cometh. He says he didn't remember writing it. The video was more memorable. You remember that in the Osman Cometh book? Yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I so maybe think he didn't these, have a heavy hand in writing it. <laughs> yeah, right. But I agree with you. These sound like Ozzy lyrics. And, and let's right? be clear, too. He had small kids at this era. So, like, they're fucking crazy babies all over the place. Yeah, and this is definitely about kind of a hangover from the ultimate sin here the next two tracks are lyrically about talking about rocking right Mm -hmm. to me this is a song to his fans about we're born to rock that that's my opinion we never say die born to live on a permanent high you know uh, there's so many aussie references here flying high right away never say die flying high boom right away we're talking classic aussie stuff It, it, it is a little cheesy i love the melodies of the verse i fucking love them but the walk that walk, talk that talk part, I still, even to this day, just not a big fan of that part. Yeah, It's a little weak for Ozzy. So overall, not one of my favorite Ozzy songs overall. That, that, like I said, that verse melody saves it. Cool guitar solo. Again, not a bridge, which I think if it had a killer bridge in it, might have bumped it up just a little bit. But overall, at the end of the day, I feel like this one is the closest to the ultimate sin. Like we said, it's a single. Like there are so many other choices on this. This on such a consistent record, for this one to be the second single is is definitely an odd choice. But you know, I will say, I mentioned on our Aussie Live episode that we did, you know, what would be dream set lists or whatever songs that he could pull off. I've always thought he could sing this song. It's never really been one that's been. I don't think he's ever played it. No, he's never played Devil's Daughter or Crazy I, Baby's Life. I, I wanted to say he's never played it, but we said that on one episode, and the guy found like one fucking no. night and sent it to us. Oh, <laughs> and crazy. he's never played Breaking All the Rules Life. Everything but, else, except Hero, of course, and The Liar. But Devil's Daughter, that, Crazy Babies, and Breaking All the Rules have never been played live. Yeah, but doesn't this come off to you as a song that he could pull off easy? For sure. And for it to be a single, to be clear, they played a lot of these songs live and they're on that tour for the No Rest for the Wicked tour. So kind of weird that it was never played either. So just really strange that and I think it's one that today he could still do, you know, if he were doing shows right now. I mean, it's just nothing that high that I think he couldn't do it. But and I would love to see that. You know, me and Dan are like, eh, the first Aussie song I didn't really like. And I've come around to be it on it. And I'm like, yeah, probably one of the worst songs in the record. If he played it live, we'd be fucking jacking off in the corner, fucking <laughs> going yeah. nuts. He's playing it. So. Agreed. Whoever's playing live, <laughs> Zach goes into that riff, man. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, we'd yeah. go crazy, man. We'd go nuts for that stock riff, yeah. wouldn't we? <laughs> but he could sing it. Like, he could have easily performed this on the Scream Tour. Easily. Easy. Yeah. Easy. And it's never even considered. It's kind of strange. Yeah, because it's a single. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's on, it's on your greatest hits albums and shit. You know, it's one that people do know. 
despite the fact that you never played it live, which we've mentioned a ton on this show, that's how you kind of make songs classic, right? As you play them live, and when they become a part of your show, they become classics. This is one that may, managed to become kind of a classic without being played live. Oh, 100%. So up next is the third single from the record, Breaking All the Rules, written by Ozzy, Bob Daisley, Zach Wilde, John Sinclair, and Randy Castillo. This also had a music video for it with the band performing it live on stage. And in fact, they never performed it live in concert. So I think it's kind of ironic, just like Mr. Tinker Train was never performed live, but the video shows them performing it live. This song more so for me than devil's daughter would be on the most underrated Aussie list. This song is fucking genius. It is tuned down to drop D Aussie sounds fucking amazing on this song. This is the riff is great. Once that riff comes in, it's like, holy shit. It's heavier than hell. It's one of Zach's greatest riffs for sure. And Ozzy's melody, man, again, another song I believe about, Teenage Rebellion, right? Breaking all the rules. Yep. You know, again, another ultimate sin in theme leftover track because this song sounds nothing like the ultimate sin. Again, this song kills it. And I'll tell you one of my favorite parts of the song is actually the outro. That breaking all the rules part. Breaking oh, yeah. all the rules. No, don't yeah. you get it on? It's breaking so goddamn good. All the rules. Now come on, now come on. Yeah, it's it's fucking, so good. I got two bucks. Yeah, right? This song would be on my, and we're gonna do this episode someday. So it's a sneak peek. Underrated Aussie songs that just does not get the love it deserves. This song should have been performed live because, again, I know it's a little up there, but I think he could have done it back in the day. Don't know how it was released as a single and didn't get performed, but God, the chorus on this fucking song. Nobody hears the things I say. I guess nobody cares. My head's so full of things. I set my mind free. I'm breaking all the rules, breaking all the rules. Fucking great, man. Fuck, dude. That This song gives me chills, man. Yeah. Fucking And amazing. he could totally have done it because he sounded amazing on that tour. So he, he could did. pull this song off. No fucking question. I don't know why this song doesn't get more love. Again, it doesn't have a bridge. It, it does have that little outro, which is really cool. Great drumming, again, by Randy Castillo, do, doing a lot of Tom work. But A fucking plus, breaking all the rules. My fucking notes are very similar to everything you've already said, but I just wrote... <laughs> <laughs> I just wrote fucking groove. The groove. You're just fucking instantly grooving straight into it, man. Just fucking groove out the ass. And I love Ozzy's delivery on the line. I suppose you think I think I know it all. It's fucking love his voice right there, man. Yeah. Fucking, I got children saying that. I fucking love his voice right there. And the true debut of the pinch harmonic for Zach Wild, because this song fucking is brutal with some pinch harmonics. Like, fucking, oh, I think Crazy Babies is. Worse. Oh man, yeah, they're right there together. Yeah, but breaking all the rules, man. You said so much of what I agree with. I just I don't want to repeat everything, but one hundred percent. Like this is a song that should still be on fucking classic rock radio. If you hear Miracle Man, you should hear Breaking All the Rules. Period. Like, it's just so fucking good. And it still stands up. It doesn't sound dated or anything. It's just a good, groovy, grooving, hard fucking rock song, man. And it's perfect. And like you said, those melodies in that chorus, God damn, it's just oh, so, so fucking good. good, man. You know how we so sometimes talk about how Ozzy has a stinker of a chorus every once in a while? 
This one is one of his all-time best, dude. Yeah, this Holy one's not shit. it. <laughs> yeah, this one is not, not it. it. No. <laughs> this one is not it. This one is, holy fuck, this is a great fucking chorus. Yeah. And, you know, uh, as much as I do know about Dan and we share a brain, I don't know that he and I – I don't know that I knew that he and I shared the passion for this song that we share. I did, I'm just now learning that, actually. Yeah, me too. It's fucking yeah, it's, great. This is a fucking great song, man. Fucking great song. Okay, so up next for track five is Bloodbath in Paradise, written by Ozzy Osbourne, Zach Wilde, John Sinclair, Randy Castillo, and Bob Daisley. So first and foremost, I don't know what the fuck it says at the beginning of it. You have to play it backwards. It says, your mother sells whelks in Hull. It's kind of a play on Exorcist, but you have to play it backwards. Interesting. I never knew that. Dan grew up in that whole playing records backwards. I was like yeah. a fucking small kid. I didn't really, 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 <laughs> Dude, we know. used to play uh, the whole we played the whole diary of a madman record. <laughs> I'm not my, first, my first copy of this song was on CD. So, you know, Gosh. can't play that backwards. Thank you. You educated me on that also. Yeah, it's I never knew what he said. So what is it again? Give it to me one more time. Your mother sells walks in hull. It's kind of a weird play. The, she says something very similar in The Exorcist, and Ozzy just wanted to put something eerie in there. So when mm. people would play it backward, they'd make up what the fuck. Oh. It was some evil connotation, but it's yeah. just gibberish. All right. The one thing that has always said to me about this track is Zach's fucking riff. That's fucking killer. And that does have kind of a I don't know vibe, even though I said earlier he's kind of extremely original, but it's different enough that it's different enough. Same notes. It's just the same notes. It's played yeah. similar. Yeah. But uh, you wouldn't hear it and think the same thing. But fucking love that riff, man. That riff has always stood out to me as, as one of the better ones on the record. I just, I've always enjoyed playing it myself. It's just, even when I was little, I was always wearing jamming that riff a lot. And Randy Castillo's tribal drums, man, on the breakdown and at the ending of the song, his drum sounds so fucking good, man. I mean, he is Native American, you know, so for him to be able to do this tribal shit real good isn't all that, you know, surprising. But... His tribal work on this entire record is just fucking amazing, dude. And if you don't know what tribal drums are, that's not your basic, you know, get your beat. Bah, bah, bah. It's not that. Tribal's like, yeah, a lot of tom work. He fucking comes through in spades with his tom work on this entire fucking record. The tribal drums are fucking amazing, but I really like them on this track. That's really what stands out. The whole Charles Manson thing, I could kind of do without it. A little bit hokey to me, but at the same time, Charles Manson was a topic in the eighties that everyone loved to talk about. Yeah. I can remember growing up and Charles Manson was just revered as this dude. Everyone knew who he was and everyone talked about him. Charlie don't surf t-shirts and all that shit. He definitely was a hot topic and Ozzy's known to like to write about things he's been watching on television. So I would about say this song came from the fact that Ozzy probably watched a documentary or a news show on Charles Manson and started writing on it. Yeah, no question. Absolutely. And you know, this one definitely came from the brain of Ozzy because it, it, it clearly fits his character, regardless of the, the topic, right? It was huge in the 80s. I mean, Charles Manson was on TV everywhere, and I just thought Ozzy was correctly saying, hey, it would be cool to have Ozzy, this crazy madman character, write a song about the Charles Manson murders. So I kind of have a weird love-hate relationship with the song. I think it, the, the music is one of Zach's best riffs. I think you nailed it. Matter of fact, I'm going back to 1988 again. South of Heaven had just come out, a big Slayer fan. When this song first started and it kicks in, you know, and he does that riff, I was like, holy fuck, that sounds like Slayer, dude, before the main riff kicks in. That opening riff, it totally has a South of Heaven Slayer vibe. And I just thought, of course, I was like, god damn, Ozzy's really modern in this song. 
I agree with you totally as a throwback to I don't know once it kicks in for sure. I love the tempo. The lyrics are fine. I love the Beatles reference, of course. Can you hear them in the darkness? Helter Skelter, Spiral Madness. Obviously, Charles Manson was obsessed with the Beatles song Helter Skelter, which is another thing I think Ozzy was kind of playing on here because we know his love affair with the Beatles. My that's my favorite part of the song, by the way, is the pre-chorus. Now, great fucking guitar solo in this one. Awesome. Zach is again on fire. Again, no bridge, but I just kind of gave it away. This is not one of my favorite vocal melodies in the chorus. I just think it's so lacking. Like to me, this song could be on a best Aussie list if it had a better chorus. Bloodbath in Paradise, Where Can You Run To, Baby, Forever Sleep in Paradise, and goddamn Ozzy cracks every fucking time on that paradise when I hear it. <laughs> you know, my 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 cheek goes up just a little, you know, a little bit. Come on, Ozzy, grab those balls just a little bit. But yeah. I, I it's one thing I love about Ozzy. I love those imperfections. I you know, For before sure. before No More Tears, I can pick every song off those first five records where Ozzy cracks somewhere. But he's definitely a little off in paradise. This was a Live track, which was a great choice to play live because of the eerie intro, really cool ambiance to the show, show, great tempo. But I just think that chorus is really lacking, dude. That's where it's at. That's the issue. It's the chorus. No question about it. For all the reasons you just stated, it does have a good live energy. I'll give it that, too. Yeah, the chorus just kind of kind of fails a little bit, a little bit hokey, forever sleep in paradise. I mean, just kind of, you know, but still a cool tune. It is one that I enjoy, but like you said, there's there's definitely some flaws with this one. All right. Up next, we have the epic Fire in the Sky, again written by Ozzy, Zach Wilde, John Sinclair, Randy Castillo, and Bob Daisley. Again, to pick up on what Josh really mentioned earlier, this is really a band record. And I think it's something that all of us diehard Ozzy fans would love to see again as Ozzy writing with a band because it's fucking phenomenal. What can I say about Fire in the Sky? I mean, I was lucky enough to see it live back in the 88 tour. Again, we were lucky enough to see it live. What was that on the Scream tour, Josh? Yeah, he brought it back on the Scream tour, but unfortunately, he didn't play it when I saw him. So, Yeah, I got lucky on that one because he played it when I saw him. It was I still cool. saw him do Diver and Madman, so fuck off. <laughs> you win. Checkmate. This one's really cool. This one, definitely lyrically, I love. Again, this one, out of all the Aussie records, I think the lyrics are very straightforward which I don't think a lot of his records are like this. So for some reason, Bob and Ozzy were definitely much, much straightforward on this record. But this is clearly about Ozzy's childhood, talking about how he put walls up, being afraid, and those walls basically came down. He exposed himself and his emotions. It's a really, really great song. I think this is one of Ozzy's best songs, maybe of his fucking career. It's fucking got that really cool intro almost kind of a snowblind thing, kind of a similar, that, that, that intro riff, right? That one to me is a very Sabbathy riff and he kind of plays it that is. Jimi Hendrix chord in it. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, this has got just all of the great ingredients of Ozzy. I love that middle section again, a musical bridge, but he's got those keyboards a lot on this record mm-hmm. where they're kind of doing those choir parts, which gives yep. such a cool ambiance, great fucking guitar solo. I, I couldn't believe the first time I heard that guitar solo, the speed Zach plays at, I was like, holy fuck, that is fast. Definitely, Ozzy sounds great. I think this is a very, very unbelievable track. I'm not going to call it underrated because I think a lot of Ozzy fans love this song. Yeah, kind of a good call. I think a lot of fans do love this one. Yeah, man, I agree 100%. I put down, you know, John Sinclair's shining moment on the record is this song for sure. 
Uh, you did, used I the word, steal your, did I steal your thunder again? Of course you did, but <laughs> whatever. You used the word ambiance. I just put the feel. He has so much feel on this one. Him being John Sinclair, the, the, the keyboards are just perfect. You know, it definitely gives a good emotion to the song. It sets up the vibe that they wanted for the song from the start. You can just you can feel it throughout the track. Ozzy's tone on his voice. God only knows how I searched in vain for the answers. I love how he delivers that line. Yeah, it's the best line just, of the song. It just sounds so fucking good, man. After the solo, when it goes to the kind of bridgey, still solo part. It's so different in that part. part. I so cool. love that, man. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of Still of the Night by Whitesnake. And I'm not sure which one came out first. I guess Still of the Night did. Yeah, Still of the Night. I just always loved that part, man. Love that. And then back to the fucking, you know, Zach doing the bends. And again, it has a very Pink Floyd-ish feel. It's more about the ambiance. That's, that's the perfect word. Uh, just the environment. It has a vibe to it more than, than, it, than a riff or more than it rocks. It's just a fucking great song, man. And like you said, cool lyrics, you know, with an emotional meaning. It's just, it's just a fucking great song. And like you said, it's not really the underrated. I think, like you said, I think a lot of Aussie fans love this track. I will say this for being an epic, because it's clearly an epic, very, very little lyrics. I mean, that's it. Two verses and fire in the sky. Can't you see that all my castles are burning? Won't you help me now that my castles are burning? I mean, that's that's it. I mean, very, 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 very short lyrically. Yeah. But the band's fucking awesome. Oh, so yeah, for sure. Just, I don't want to say they carry it because Ozzy certainly does his part. But like, it's just it's such a good fucking band song where everyone does all the heavy lifting together for sure. They just sound fucking great. So that brings us to track number seven, which is Tattooed Dancer, written by Ozzy, Zach Wilde, and Bob Daisley. Fucking one of the songs Randy Castillo didn't co-write, but he gets the badass fucking drum intro on it, right? right? <laughs> so, <laughs> fucking love the drums. You know from fucking the word go that this song is going to be up-tempo and kicking ass. What a fucking cool guitar riff, man. Oh, you stole my thunder now. Zach fucking tears this shit up. He is so... We can't stroke his balls enough on this episode about how fucking good Zach Wilde was here. And even on the live tour also. Those live videos from Philadelphia and some of those, he is just so fucking good. But love the intro, man. Love the fucking riff. Ozzy's melody. Again, he comes through in spades. And the the line that I love, my soul's on fire. It's fucking us. Oh, it's so fucking good, man. So fucking good. This is the good, fun rock and roll song, man. You know, it's nothing that you're going to write home about 40 years from now or anything, but it's just a fun track. And it's really what it is supposed to be, right? Like I would equate this to like the No Bone movies of this album. It's just the fun track. But only this one's really fucking good. Whereas No Bone Movies was clearly like one of the worst ones or the worst one on Blizzard of Oz, right? Yeah. So Tattoo Dancer is just a good fucking track. And you can't forget the line, dance for me, bitch. Right. What? Absolutely. What the fuck was that? You know, I don't know if you'd do that now in 2022, but fuck them. It was, no. it was but, good back then. So you fucked up, dude. So this song is written about an exotic dancer. This is the one you should have had your dance to, dude. I didn't choose it. The song was just already on. Oh, the way it works is you get two songs for your money. And I got, and it just happened to be fucking Ozzy. How perfect is that? I that got is. Crazy Babies and Problem Child by ACDC. <laughs> but it was probably like a minute <laughs> and a half of each song. because you know, right. I'm sure. If I could have requested that, I'd ask for Freebird and fucking Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> exactly. No <laughs> question. So obviously this one's written about an exotic dancer. It's again, a very, very straightforward song. Great, great guitar riff, dude. I mean, Holy shit, if you've ever tried to play this, it's very difficult. I think it's a very complex riff. It's just different. You know, he's doing those double note bends, and it's got a quick pace to it. It's really, really cool, man. 
they played this one a lot. It featured Randy Castillo's drum solo in concert. A great concert song. For some reason, the verse melodies reminds me of Sabbath. I don't know. There's something about the verse melody that kind of gives me a Sabbath vibe. But overall, really, really killer song. Again, the dance for me bitch part. I was going to mention that. Great. Not another bridge on this one either, but hell of a guitar solo. Zach is on fire. I think Zach and Randy Steele really, really saved the song. But a perfect example of what this album encompasses, which is up-tempo, straight-up rock with a hard edge. And I think this song really encompasses the attitude of the record. Yeah, I agree totally, man. 100%. All right. Up next, we have the fantastic Demon Alcohol, written with Ozzy, Zach Wilde, Randy Castillo, and Bob Daisley. What can I say about Demon Alcohol, man? I fucking love everything about this song. From the vocals, to me, this is the one where Ozzy sounds in incredible my favorite vocal performance on the record is demon alcohol i love the fucking guitar riff to me this could be the last well perry mason's pretty great too but one of the last great guitar riffs is right here on demon alcohol if i had to rank zach's guitar riffs this could be at the top of the list that's how much i fucking love it it is an incredible heavy metal song i love the personification of the lyrics it's sung from the point of view of the alcohol and something that's always stuck with me because I love that sort of shit in lyrics. It's so different. And Bob knocks it out of the park here. Cause I love the fact that it's talking from the alcohol to Ozzy, because as we know, Ozzy struggles with his alcohol. I just love the fact that he's basically telling him I'm the demon alcohol. You can't, you can't quit me. It's again, a very straightforward song. This time it's you or me. You'll never set me free. There'll be no compromise today. It's such a brilliant song. I love every goddamn thing about the song. The guitar solo is very unique and different. I like that it has almost rhythmic solos in it, right? It goes through those different parts. And it's really, it's so fucking different and so cool. Shows the diversity of Zach. But what stands out for me for sure, Ozzy's got that low harmony on the voice too that's with him. Sounds incredible. I just think this song is... One of my all-time favorite Ozzy songs. Amazing. You're such a cocksucker. I thought I was going to get to like talk without you saying my main sticking point, and then you threw it in right there at the end. Fuck. The low <laughs> harmony on the second verse. I fucking love it, man. If you could see with your reflection, I'm sure you'd see into my eyes. There'll be no need for resurrection. Let's drink to people of the lies. But he's got the his basic vocal, then the low vocal. Oh, and yeah. then he comes back in. Although one's not too much, you'll know 10's not enough or whatever. And then it goes kind of higher, right? It goes to your right. typical Ozzy sound. But, but he does that on the writ too. You know, you mentioned the, the writ earlier. Yeah. He does that on the writ, yeah. But that high and low octave harmony there and that fucking first part of that second verse is so fucking good, man. It's the best part of the song for me. Killer riff. And like I mentioned earlier, when I was kind of mentioning the bridges, the chokes on the bridge of the song. Near the band's just, you know, doing the chokes on that. So fucking good, man. The band is, this band is fucking on fire, dude. This Zach Wilde, Randy Castillo, Bob Daisley, and Ozzy Osbourne could have been. And John Sinclair. And John Sinclair, because he's, thank you, because he's very involved. Very involved. And not only with songwriting, but with performing. He's all over this record. That band could really have done something that would have been the next greatest thing to the Wizard of Oz. I mean, they really had it fucking going, no question. 
But this song, man, like you said, I just love everything about it. I love, like you mentioned before, where the lyrics come from, being from the perspective of the alcohol. This is so fucking cool, man. We've mentioned it in the show a few times, but that's just such a neat idea. And it's clear that Bob did have an issue with Ozzy's drinking. He wrote about it a lot. I mean, Suicide Solution. There, there's so many examples of songs of him being irritated with Ozzy's drinking and stuff. This song is full of energy. Definitely one of the better songs on the album. I fucking love it. And there's not much more I can add to what you've already said because I know you definitely have a huge passion for this one. Yeah, big time. It's fucking incredible. Again, only played live very, very rare, just a couple of times. And it, it kind of sucks because this would have been a great live song. Yeah, for sure. No yeah. question. So up next, that brings us to the hidden track, Hero. So back in the 80s, if you had this song on cassette or CD, it would kind of stroll right into this one before you knew it. And you're like, what the fuck is this? Another song. Unfortunately, it wasn't on the vinyl, but I guess they probably didn't have room for it on there, which is maybe that's why they made it a hidden track on the CD and the uh, cassette, right? Yeah. If you bought the vinyl, you're missing this track. Now you can go by the cassette. But it's called Hero. It's written by Ozzy, Bob Daisley, Zach Wilde, John Sinclair, and Randy Castillo. It's a cool tune, man. I mean, Ozzy sounds like, as Dan says, a god on this song. Just such a great delivery, such a great vocal. I don't want to be your hero. I don't ever want to let you down. Clearly, this is about his insecurities again. You know, Ozzy likes to talk about his insecurities, and he's always concerned with letting people down and, and not bringing them what they want, what they're paying for, and what they expect. It's a burden he's lived with his entire life. It's a, it's a cool tune, man. So like the tribal drums when Ozzy sings, don't think you'll ever understand me. I don't even understand me. Don't have the power to anoint you, and I don't want to disappoint the fools no more. Listen to the fucking drums behind that, man. Like Randy's going off on some tribal shit that's fucking perfect. For one, Ozzy's melody right there is so catchy, and the lyrics are cool. So really, you're kind of focusing on him, which I understand. I typically do also. But man, Randy's putting out some killer fucking tribal drum beats behind that shit. And I fucking love it. This is a good tune, man, and definitely deserving to be on the record. And I'm glad they did make the decision that even though there wasn't room for it in some formats to go ahead and put it on there anyway. Yeah, all great points. So I'm going to talk a little bit about this track because it's very special to me. And I might have lied because this is probably Ozzy's best vocal performance on the record. Let me just tell you a little history. So I, of course, was a vinyl guy growing up. So I bought No Rest of the Wicked the day it came out. Listen to it that Tuesday, right? Because albums came out on Tuesday. Album ends, Demon Alcohol ends, boom. Great fucking record, right? I go to school the next day, and one of my buddies had bought it on cassette, and he's like, oh my God, that hidden track, man. It's so killer. I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? And you got to understand, even at this age, I was worshiping Ozzy already. I mean, just like Josh, just like Ryan, we, we, we fucking lived and breathed it. And he was like, dude, I bought the cassette. After Demon Alcohol, there's another track. I almost cried because I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I don't have an Aussie song. So I had to run to the storm by the goddamn cassette, just like you said. So you were like telling my life story, Josh, without even knowing it. And, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure there was more Dan's out there that had to do the same thing. Yeah, I was blown away by it. And I think it starts off with that cool Johnson Clair intro, which kind of sounds like, oh, here comes a ballad, right? And then it kicks in. Dun, dun, dun. And it's like, holy fuck, this song rocks, man. Lyrically. I'm going to surprise you here a little bit. I actually think this is, it's very reminiscent to I don't know, right? I don't want to be your hero. I don't know. Definitely in the same mold. I think this is Ozzy and Bob talking about the suicide solution case. If you really listen to the lyrics, I don't want to be a hero. I don't ever want to let you down, right? Right away, I just think, oh my God, I can try to take you higher, but I don't want to wear your broken crown. The, I think these are one of the best lyrics Bob has ever come up with. They're fucking phenomenal. You know what brings me down. What you said, don't think you'll ever understand me. I don't even understand me. 
right? I don't have the power to anoint you and I don't want to disappoint the fools no more. I think this is the after effects of the suicide solution case for sure. Could be. Could very well be. Yeah. For some reason, I get a huge Beatles vibe in the melody, especially in that fucking outro. And it's one of my all-time favorite Aussie parts, but that, so baby, please don't go. Holy shit. And I think it's talking to his fans. Like, I know we just went through this together with the case, but I don't want to let you down, but I need you in my life. I never put it together with the case, but the please don't go. I've always seen that as the fans. Like I'm telling you, I don't want to be your hero. I need you and please don't go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know it says so baby, but I don't think he's speaking to like a girlfriend or nothing or a wife. It's clearly to the fans. Yeah, well, and in the 80s, baby was kind of a phrase. You'd, it was like a catchphrase. It wasn't really I, a girlfriend I love like it. it is now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I used to, I've thrown it in some of my songs, to be honest. I think it's great. It shows my age. But yeah. I love this part here. So I don't want to be your hero. Don't want to sit upon your crippled throne. I've got a life of my own. I am not your destination or a road that's going to lead you home. So baby, please don't go. Fuck, that's... I literally have chills right now, Josh. This yeah, song, that's good shit. Dude, it Bob Daisley fucking hits a home run with this song. There's just something about it that resonates with me. It's got a great riff, but the melodies, Ozzy is, this is where I just go, nobody, nobody is better than Ozzy on a song like Hero. Talk about an underappreciated song. God damn, it, it chokes me up almost. I fucking love this song. Brilliant. There you go, listeners. It's, it is, man. And it's one of those, like you said, many people may have never even heard. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to say you've heard it, but a lot of people like, I don't know if my brother's familiar with this track or not, but it is man, beautiful delivery, beautiful lyrics. Like you said, Bob's lyrics in this one are this amazing. And now that you pointed out, I could see that being about the suicide case for sure. Like you're trying to paint me as this person and I'm tired of being that person and I'm not that person. And you know, I don't want to be you know the fool anymore. I don't want to be your. I don't want to wear your broken crown and oh, yeah. this and that. You know, I, I totally get it, man. I can see that. And in my notes, I just also put the bridge riff. Yeah. Oh like, yeah, so good. It's the musical bridge because again, yeah, the musical bridge. Sing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's why I said riff. Yeah. <laughs> the funny yeah, thing, so shit, man. listeners, this is my 1980s. Well, I got two of them in the 80s, but here's one of the two of the passion I have for old LA tonight, which our listeners are going to know that I have a lot of it. I have the same passion for Hero. Fucking yeah. underrated, man. And talking about the bridge riff, I have to hum it now. Yeah. It's such a heavy song, man. People people automatically assume it's kind of a lightweight song because of that intro. But I'm telling you, this song fucking jams. It's not, man. And one thing I started to say to you earlier, but I just didn't want to interrupt you. When you're talking about the intro coming in with the, you know, with the John Sinclair's keyboard and the kind of the quiet then you know zach da, 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 you mentioned that earlier and i almost butted in but i wanted to give you time but then you got the little chuck like that's fucking riffage man that's good yeah, shit it's great absolutely brilliant song last up we have the liar written by ozzy john sinclair and bob daisley no zach wild credit on this song by the way and this one was only released as a japanese bonus track and i had to buy the japanese CD to get it. So I've had it for a long time. And I can honestly say this is clearly not deserving to be on the record. It is a very ballady vibe to it. And as listeners know, I love Aussie ballads. But for some reason, this one does not resonate with me. And I don't know why. Just something about this song doesn't click. It's fine. I don't, I'm actually not even a big fan of Ozzy's voice on this track. Save me all my life. I've been a liar. Melodies are just. Eh, it's okay. It's definitely 
underwhelming, and I'm very happy that it was left off the record. It's definitely not much to say for me on this one. I do like this, Burning Bridges in the Rain, The Crying Embryo. Reminds me of Sabbath a little bit. I seem so blissfully insane, but still the paint won't go. So cool lyrics. I don't mind the morning that Ozzy sounds on the verses, but I'm not overly big on the chorus. Actually, I was getting ready to combat you on that, but you kind of cleared it up at the end because I was I do like his melody and delivery on the verses. Yeah. So when you were saying you didn't like his his voice on this one, I was kind of like, ah, I kind of disagree. I do. Then you're like, well, I do on the verses, but not as much on the chorus. Right. That I can get with you on. Yeah, I misspoke. Uh, yeah, the chorus is where it kind of goes off the rails, you know, in, in a negative way. I actually do like this one more than you seem to. Uh, I know, and I, I do know deep down you love it also. I'm not trying to be that, but I, I don't like not like it a lot, but it compared to the rest of the record, it's definitely a step down from the rest well, of them. I the just don't think it belongs. So Everything has a feel to this record. Like all of these songs sound cohesive. The liar would have been a left turn that just wouldn't have fit yeah. on this record. There's an energy that's not on the liar that's on the rest of the, of the yes. other nine for sure. Because Zach doesn't have a writing credit, I yeah. bet. Could be. I will say though, I love Zach's guitar tone on this one. His tone sounds really pretty on his guitar, man. It's got a great tone. Yeah, and maybe I'm being a little harsh on it. It's very somber, right? It's very depressing. Mm-hmm. Everything it's, about it from Zach's guitar to Ozzy's melodies. Yes, depressing is somber is the best word for that. Yes, somber. From the very first second, it has a somber tone to it. Save me all my life. I've been a liar. Yeah. I do really enjoy his tone and melodies on the verses. And like I said, Zach's tone, that kind of saves it for me. The chorus, like, like we said a few times a second ago, it does kind of, eh, you know, it could be better. But all in all, I like it. But I do agree with you that it, it is not at the standard of the other nine tracks that we received from this record. Because the other nine, just like I said, Throughout this episode, the word consistent, they're just so consistent. And this one is just a notch beneath the other nine, in my opinion. So interesting, man. I mean, where do you think the song A Matter of Time fits in? You know, Ozzy says it's as poppy as he wants to go. And it was left off the record, which I, I imagine that's why. I'm curious to see what direction that song went, you know? Right. Yeah. So if it, it could have been a poppy single sounding tune, man. It could have been It could have been shot in the dark like. Who knows? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. So I wonder if it was written with Phil. Maybe it was a shot in the dark style song. It could Dude, maybe you're honest on Phil. There you go. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Maybe together we figured it out. And that's why yeah. that's part of the reason why they said fuck it and just let it go because they didn't want to work on anything that they'd written with him. Right. That could so probably be the case, up. man. This yeah. moved on to something else, you know. So great hmm. record overall. I mean, before we get to our list, I mean, I cannot tell you how much I love this fucking record. It is incredible. I think it is underrated in the Aussie canon. And one day when we do our favorite Aussie lists, you'll see that. And I just love the energy this record brings. I love the lyrical content. I do think the lyrics are fantastic on this record. I love, love Zach's guitar playing and guitar tone. And of course, Aussie's tone is fucking undeniable here. Like we said earlier, everyone shouldered their own weight on this record. It's a great band album, even down to John Sinclair being so involved. Okay, so counting the liar, John Sinclair has six songwriting critics on this record. You know, he's very involved as a keyboard player, much like Adam Wakeman was on screen, we've learned, right? This was just a great band environment. And maybe the last band Ozzy had together, with the exception of maybe, like we said, the Scream Tour, that band started really gelling. But unfortunately, they never got to record and write together. This one definitely has that band feel, and I fucking love it, man. There's just it's definitely underrated, and like you said, someday when we rank all the albums, fans will see where we stack this one up with the others. It's definitely on the upper end of the list. There's no question about it. 
Yeah, great point. I mean, John Sinclair's got six writing credits, and Randy Castillo has seven. I mean, that's a lot, dude. This is definitely a band effort, and maybe more so than Ultimate Sin and Ark at the Moon. Like, this is maybe more in vain of, you know, the first two Blizzard of Oz records with Bob and Lee, where I think this is definitely more of a band cohesion here. I agree with you totally. So Zach was hired, as we said earlier, in May of 87, and they didn't go into production on the album until February. So you do have like nine months there where they were together jamming, writing songs. So maybe that had a lot to do with that. You know, Bob comes back and you've already got Randy Castillo in the fold. He was there for the ultimate sin. So maybe that's kind of plays into it. Just the amount of time they had before production that they were able to gel a little bit and become a group, you know, and become friends and get to know each other. And it kind of plays that on the record. Then, of course, after this album, they went to Russia and did the Music Moscow Peace Festival. And they also released Purple Haze on the Stairway to Heaven Music for Foundations album. So a lot going on in this period. And by the way, Geezer plays bass on that version of Purple Haze, which I always thought was cool. That's very cool. Very cool. All right, Dan, are you ready to release this album and rank the order of the tracks? I am. This is the first time, by the way, I don't have it written down. I'm going to do it off the top of my head. But <laughs> oh, I you're going to fuck up like I always do no, this no, time. I it's coming, it. cocksucker. All right, man. Do you want to go first? Do the No, honor. you go first on this one. You go. Uh, okay. Because my number one is going to be so crazy. Oh, he's got a crazy number one, listeners. Let's see. All right. Up at number 10 for me, the worst track of the session for me is The Liar. Agreed. No question about it. The, my number 10 is clearly The Liar. Okay, and at number nine for me, this one might be weird for some listeners. I don't know, but it just is what it is. Despite my great memories, number nine is Crazy Babies. My number nine is Crazy Babies, clearly. We were seeing Uh-oh. it eye to eye, my man. Uh-oh, we're back no. to thinking with the same brain again. No, it's definitely happening. not on this one. <laughs> All right, and at number eight for me is Hero. Mm. All right. Oh, Sorry. does that hurt? Okay. <laughs> that hurt. I felt like I just got stabbed in the gut. Oh, okay. Uh-oh. From here on out, it's just fucking classic after classic. Some of these are going to be ranked higher, unfortunately, but they're still great fucking songs. So yeah. my number eight is Tattooed Dancer. Good call. Yeah, I agree, man. At this point, they're just, they're also fucking tight. It, it could change daily because it's just, again, such a consistent record. So number seven for me is Tattooed Dancer. I have a feeling we're going to go. Now we're going to kind of stay closer a little bit. My number seven is the riff crazy bloodbath in paradise. Okay. Yeah. We're on par a little bit. My number six is the riff crazy bloodbath in paradise. My number six is the uptempo brilliant devil's daughter. Holy war. And my number five is devil's daughter. Holy war. See, we're, I knew we were going to see this the same. <laughs> this is kind of getting crazy. So now. let's be clear. As of right now, we're totally on par with each other with the exception of Hero. Yeah, right? Isn't that insane? Okay. Crazy. All right. So my number five is the first single, Miracle Man. <laughs> and my number four is the first single, Miracle Man. <laughs> this was God insane. Damn. Are you kidding me? That's I awesome. swear. All right. Okay. My number four, it pains me to say it because it. Now the top four for my all-time favorite songs. My number four, Breaking All the Rules. Oh, okay. We're, we're finally off pattern here. All right. <laughs> there we go. I'm starting to get scared. My number, so it puts me at three. My number three is Demon Alcohol. Yeah, yeah it's a tough one. I, I understand the top four is so great. It's going to surprise people, but my number three is 
the fucking fantastic fire in the sky. Do you like my alliteration there? I do. And now we're back to number two for me, which is the fucking fantastic fire in the sky. (laughs) My number two is the incredible riff of demon alcohol. And number one for me, I said it. I said it. I'm saying that I said it. Breaking all the rules. Fucking groovy, fucking groove-ass, badass song, man. Breaking all the rules takes the cake for me. Yeah. Amen, man. It's a great song. As you notice, listeners, my number one is the grossly underrated, fantastic hero. Fucking A. Let's go, baby. Hero is the greatest song from this session, and it has been said. That is fucking bold. I knew you loved that song. I don't know that I knew you loved it better than Breaking All the Rules and Fire in the Sky. Like I'm I, even I'm a little shocked. That's that's wild, but I do know you have a definite passion for this one that you've discussed with me before. Yeah, I love it. I mean, clearly Hero and Demon Alcohol are my two favorite songs on the record, but Fire in the Sky and Breaking All the Rules are right on their ass. I mean, wow. for me, those are four fucking amazing songs. Definitely. All right, man. This was fun. Yeah, it's about time we did something on fucking No Rest for the Wicked, right, Josh? It's yes, about time. Yes. We fucking love this record, man. I, I remember my buddy Jeremy Chaney. He had, I'm going to give him a shout out. He was like, got me a new CD player, man. It's like his first CD player or some shit. And he's like, went straight and got No Rest for the Wicked. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just remember having that cassette or having that CD all the time jamming in that CD player, you know. It's just such a good fucking record, man. It's just, it's a great fucking Ozzy Osbourne record. It's, it's what you want from an Ozzy Osbourne record. This one, comes through just in aces man it's fucking excellent i agree and i will say this listeners if you're not as familiar with no rest for the wicked just revisit it give it three solid listens front to back and i guarantee you you won't be disappointed it is just ozzy in his for me classic era yeah for sure and like we said a minute ago performance wise also just fucking on top of it dude so fucking good in the store i wish i could have seen it Agree. Of course, well, of course, the old man got to fucking see it. But twice, whatever, you know. I did get to see it twice, my man. <laughs> it, it was amazing, absolutely amazing. Fucking right. Ozzy was great on this tour. I actually had the second time I saw him, I had third row. It was fucking insane. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, awesome incredible. memories for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, man. Before we sign off, do you have anything else you want to say? Yeah, listeners, please let us know your list. Spread the word that we're talking about. No rest for the wicked. And again. If you hear any news on the new album, send it to me and Josh, Diary of the Madman social media pages, so we can spread the word. Yeah, absolutely. Like and subscribe to our fucking pages, people. Please, we're begging you. We need you. All right, man. But in the meantime, we will see you guys on the other side. All right, but yeah, I, I've seen some of those posts, dude. And there's I'll, my the favorite random, one, by the way, is random in the middle of all of them is Rob Halford, na- like almost naked on his fucking motorcycle bike. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? I, was like, I think Rob, I think Ryan, Ryan posted that. Yeah, of course, Ryan jacks off to that one. Are you yeah. kidding? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.